your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. Coming up on the show, Rebecca Cook is running for the U.S. House of Representatives here in the third congressional district of Wisconsin. She's one of five Democrats running in the primary to go up against Derek Van Orden. And uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the U.S. House Speakership. I guess we have a, a new U.S. House Speaker. We'll see how long that lasts. I think his name is Mike Johnson. I haven't read a ton about him yet, but uh, something about he was one of the architects to overturning the 2020 election. Something about he uh, doesn't believe all that much in into women's rights, uh, abortion, uh, even, I think, uh, same-sex marriages. And then uh, he's not uh, all that down with climate change either or the fact that the humans have uh, been a cause of it. So, But that, that some of that is, is old takes, and I'm not exactly sure if his viewpoints have changed since then because they, as, uh, that was the, the, the climate change thing, I think the comments were from 2017. So to me, that was six years ago. And a lot has changed since then. Even the politics of that has changed. Even if Mike Johnson doesn't believe in climate change or that humans cause climate change, politically, maybe it's a winner for him to say that maybe they play a part because we see that voters uh, are believing that now and uh, politicians want to win votes. So they'll just change their political views based on the politics of it, whatever benefits them. Um. Coming up on the show tomorrow, I just want to mention Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel will be in here to talk about you know the Lacrosse School District uh, closing schools potentially and uh, anything else. So uh, be ready for that. But with Rebecca Cook, she's one of five Democrats, and the other ones are Tara Johnson, who was a former Lacrosse County board member. Aaron Knight is a, he's a Harvard Law student, and I think he lives. I don't think he lives in the district yet, so we'll see. Uh, and I'm, I've reached out to him, tried to get a hold of him. He has not emailed me back. Katrina Sharkland, Shankland is a U.S. Assembly or a Wisconsin State Assembly rep in the Stevens Point area. Reached out to her. She hasn't emailed me back yet. And Eric Wilson just came onto the scene, I think, last week. And I don't have a ton of information on him. I haven't reached out to him yet. So we'll see. Um, also, I had a story on wisdomnews.com about the city council. Mackenzie Mandel joined me last week to talk about the city council budget process. I'm trying to get uh, the city council president to come on or other city council members next week. Uh, also, that the day I want him to come on is during Halloween. So uh, we'll see if they're maybe trick-or-treating or handing out candy. Uh, or we'll record the show early so that everyone can go and enjoy Halloween. But it'll be a real fun Halloween episode if we're talking about the city budget or the, or the county budget. November 13th, that is when the public hearing on the county budget and the city budget happen. They happen kind of a, they happen on the same day, but not at the same time. But if the public hearings last more than an hour for one, then it'll run into the other one. So the, the cities is at... Now I forget. One is at six o'clock and one is at five o'clock. So if you go on the on the story on wisdomnews.com with Mackenzie Mandel, you'll see that up there. But we so far we've had Mayor Mitch Reynolds, Mackenzie Mandel, Aaron Goggins was on with uh, Mike Hayes, and we have Barb Jansen on. So I uh, should reach out to a couple of their other city council members to see their takes on uh, where the city is at with its budget. And um, next week Thursday, I'll have County Administrator Jane Claycamp on to talk about the county side of these things. Anyway, Rebecca Cook coming up. We'll be back. 
Whether you're a seasoned chef or just starting your culinary journey, Cooley Region Cooks is your new podcast resource. Discover new techniques. Hear from local culinary heroes who are mastering the art of the kitchen. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 on WIZM. Stream your favorite cooking tips, local chef interviews, and mouth-watering recipes on the WIZM app. Or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Stay updated and engaged by following us on Facebook. Just search Cooley Region Cooks today. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me now is Rebecca Cook. She is running for Congress, or what I like to say is the U.S. House House. of Representatives, in the 3rd District here. We have some news today. So like breaking news, probably you probably haven't. I mean, do you have when you and you're in you're in the cross for why are you why are you in town? Yeah, there's some uh, local supporters here who are hosting an event for me tonight. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah. Get, so they're going to they going to feed you. I hope they're going to feed me. Did you get your air conditioning fixed? Because it's kind of warm today. Oh, man. I will tell (laughs) you what. um, That car has, like, seen even worse days since the last time I saw you. Oh, really? The entire back windshield, like, fell out um, when we were here for one of our cookouts that we were doing. We had a lacrosse When you say fell out, I mean, did you, did some Republican threw a brick at it? No, no. I literally mean it's just this, like, old Ford Escape. And we're just going to drive it into the ground this cycle. So it's going to go everywhere with me. Because the the third congressional district. District is like 700 miles or yes. you know around so yeah it's up and down the mississippi so what i like to call the bicep district because the bicep the hand on the bicep I goes like and grabs that. steven's point i like that because we got to get all the uw schools yes because all uw kids are democrats apparently that's what the republicans do you, do you look at like what the state is doing with the liberal supreme court flipped in the that mm-hmm. lawsuit and yeah. Oh, while I'm running, also yeah. my district might change. Yes, as you're putting a hundred thousand miles a year on yeah. your Ford Escape with no AC and apparently no back window. I feel, <laughs> no, I feel the like window, you got that so fixed. So here's right? what happened with the window. Yeah, we got that fixed, so that, like it's all good there. But, yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean I, we're obviously we're paying attention to that and what like lines will change. But I think getting out really early and showing up, it is such a vast geographic district, and so. That's why I did so well last time when I ran in the Democratic primary is because we really showed up in all 19 counties. And so you got to keep playing like, you know, everybody's a part of it. This is this is kind of the best time to be driving around to. Yes. Because and I don't know, like what's better, like Stevens Point area, Eau Claire or La Crosse right now, like with, you know, fall fall colors, you know. I got to say, I mean, you know, play favorites I'm now, not so going to play gonna... favorites at all. I'm going to talk about a stretch of road that's pretty gorgeous. So and taking 93 from Eau Claire and just like the vistas, you know, yeah. with Arcadia and coming down here today. It was like very, very peak colors. I've been to lacrosse like four days in the past like week and a half here. So mm-hmm. we've been making that journey quite often um, up and down. But it's it's beautiful. So. Rebecca Cook's been running for the U.S. House for like three years. Um, it will be when it's like all sudden. I guess like two years probably. Because you point. ran. Yeah. You, oh yeah. Well, I mean, how early did you start prior to last election? You know, in twenty what twenty twenty two. Yeah, twenty twenty one is when I. Yeah, so yeah, October twenty twenty one. Okay, so, so. Oh yeah, right. We're a year yeah. out from it. It yeah. seems weird because we because you're running for Congress a year away from. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it'll be three years by the end of this. Um. 
what have you learned in in that time? And is this is the strategy any different yeah. because you, you didn't you were second in the primary last mm-hmm. time to Brad Paff, who now is out of the race. So mm-hmm. you, you you kind of become the the front runner in that regard because just based on you know who was left mm-hmm. there. Um, what yeah, what have you learned? I mean, I learned a lot, and people ask me this question quite often. Damn it. Okay, new question. No, I mean, no, you can. This is a great question. Um, but I think it's like never writing anyone off. I think is the one thing I learned. Um, because it's what made us successful, you know, and getting to every nook and cranny in the district. We did a 19 county district tour, which we'll plan to do again this spring. But showing up in places that aren't just liberal bubbles, I think, is so important. When I'm a member of Congress, I represent everybody in this district. And so not just surrounding myself with people that think just like me. Uh, it's but easy to show up in a liberal bubble, though. It is. live in a bubble. Like, yeah. people, the, the, you know, I think the overall consensus is like more Democrats live in the city. So when you come to look across, it's easier to talk to Democrats because there's more Democrats here. How do you, how do you get more Republican ears then? Because if you, if you go to Arcadia, not as many ears out there, I'm not, not saying Arcadia, but like rural areas, that's the consensus is like rural people are more Republican. So, well, I think it's getting out of things like, you know, I went to nearly every dairy breakfast or something that lots of folks frequent. You got hundreds of people rolling out from the agricultural community. Mm -hmm. um, And those are all around the district. And so work in those lines and, introducing myself and my background, having grown up on a dairy farm, showing cattle in 4-H, people really connect with that. Um, I think I was at nearly every county fair in the district over the summer as well. Um, And so showing up at some of those community events that aren't necessarily having, you know, a political lean to them, you know, like obviously county party meetings would, uh, but getting, you know, around a chamber of commerce events, working, you know, main streets, getting to know small business owners from around the district. Um, that's a lot of what we did last time, and I think it's just expanding that, um, you know, and getting to know people in just different stakeholder groups and people that aren't even maybe as active in politics as you'd think. At so. this point in running, do you try to get more Democratic ears because you're trying to beat, is it, what is it, four other Democrats at this point? Yes. Or <laughs> because there's a primary, and I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if Republicans would vote. I don't know how that works. Actually, I think if you're a Republican, you just don't vote in the Democratic primary. Because you'd vote in a Republican primary. It's kind of a goofy thing that way with a ballot in in Wisconsin elections. So there is this like strategy in terms of, well, and this is the other thing I've brought up a couple of times is do you attack your other four candidates? Mm -hmm. Because in the Senate race against Ron Johnson, there was kind of a consensus. We're not going to attack each other. And last last election, there was kind of that same consensus. You did a little bit of that. I don't know if you want to call it attack. That seems so like (laughs) vulgar, but. I don't know. Like, how do you separate yourself from those four other candidates at this point? Yeah. And I'll just say they're Tara Johnson, who has lacrosse roots, Aaron Knights, who doesn't have Wisconsin roots, really. Um, Katrina Shankland, who's a Stevens Point rep right in the assembly. And then Eric Wilson, who's kind of a newcomer. I haven't uh, really deep dived down into him yet. But yeah, you know, um, I think that there's a way to draw a contrast without attacking folks. I think that that makes our um effort weaker when we get into the general election. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, that kind of the consensus we had last cycle. And I think there's still a way to differentiate yourself. It is really appealing to Democratic voters in the primary. Um, but it's also preparing yourself because that window into the general election is so short yeah. after the primary. You know, you've got to be having the same kind of messaging all the way through, you know, like you're not going to just pander to one group to get their support and then change everything that you stand for. Right. Um, And so I think it's just being 
um, sure-footed on your values and I think, and, and being true to your values throughout that, um, you know, but getting out there and talking to different stakeholder groups and building strong coalitions of, you know, union members, business owners, teachers, farmers, you name it. And that's, I think, what we were successful at last time. Do you so. want to throw any of them under the bus real quick? Just one real I quick I don't. Attack. No. That Tara Johnson, <laughs> I don't like her. You know, I don't know. No, I... Do you, do you I, see any different differences? And I don't know, like, how much do you pay attention to what they're saying and doing and then go, oh, they're... This is... I don't agree with that. I don't know if you've had any of that yet. Yeah, I mean... That's always the problem with primaries, but... Yeah, I mean, we're really just focused on running our race and, and connecting with voters and, you know, they're going to run their race. Um, but I'm really focused on just reaching out here early and, and connecting with people. I think that folks are looking, you know, you've got a Congress that's one of the oldest in our, you know, in our history of our country. And I think folks are looking for a new generation of leaders to really step up and, um, you know, and that's exactly what I'm doing. What so. if I throw this softball at you? I'm doing the softball uh, <laughs> toss. U.S. House in Wisconsin. There, there isn't a woman, right? There isn't a no. woman rep. So, yeah. I mean, that seems important. Well, and I think that's what's kind of exciting, having three women that are running in the primary, too. Um, there's never been a woman that's been elected to this seat. There is in the House. Gwen Moore is in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, that's right. But, um, but this seat has never seen a woman represent West Central Wisconsin. And Derek Van Orden seems maybe like the antithesis of uh, representing. Yeah, Derek. Based on his based on his book, I would say. Sure. Like how it is to be a how man. to be a man? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think Derek, you know, continuously votes, you know, supports things that are not, you know, anti. I would say like anti women. Um, you know, he's in the past supported a national abortion ban, and um, I think that's very much where we differentiate. I think women should have. Um, you know, should be make choices on their own about about their own bodies. So, all right, we. Uh, I don't want to go down the Derek Van Orden road yet because we have all other segments. Because <laughs> it's a long road. Yeah, it's well, and we have a new house speaker, and I'm obviously I'm just saving that to to mm. for the, the the other half of the the show here. But um, when when you talk about just these are the things that these are the issues. Mm-hmm. Because we can sit here and talk about Derek Van Orden and, sure. and he's in Israel and that. But yeah. what are the issues that you feel like right now are resonating with yeah. a lot of people? Yeah. I think there's a lot of folks, especially as you see the speakership stuff play out on the national level, that feel like Congress is really broken and they're not getting anything done. Um, you know, this is a you know a very a group like a district full of hardworking folks that you know are showing up for their jobs every day. Um, and working to put food on their table and, and make rent. And I think a lot of the things when I'm traveling the district that I hear issues, and we talked a little bit about this last uh, time I was on with you, but healthcare being um, a real concern and top priority, um, having access in some of our rural areas and making sure that it's affordable, something I hear from a lot of people. You know, when I was at the Richland County Fair, for example, I was out working the dairy barns. And yeah, when you go to those fairs, do you go, hey, move over, and there's the, the milking the cow competition? You um, I don't do I that. Don't, do they even do that? Because that seems like kind of, I don't know, weird. No, <laughs> that would be a weird um, thing. no. Because so, sometimes there's like pig wrestling, but like other, some counties ban that because it's just kind of I don't know that I've ever seen that at a fair. So. Oh, really? Stevensville, Wisconsin had, okay. used to have pig wrestling. I think we banned it, though. That was probably a decade ago, though. So yeah. That's so, right in my neck of the woods. So um, when I go to the fair, like a lot of Dems, they all want you to come to the, their booth. And I spend a little bit of time at that. But when you're at the fair, most fairgoers are out like 
eating malts and going on rides and they really don't want to talk about politics. Yeah, right. But I think... Oh, I've said in the past, we should ban politics from the fair. (laughs) And it it stems from like a picture of a Republican booth at the Minnesota State Fair. But it was just like the go brand... What Let's go Brandon. Oh, sure. It it was a lot of like just... Kind yeah. of, a, you would see in a weird person's yard, like sure. a lot of signs. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, this isn't. Nobody wants to go and be part of that at this point." I'm at the fair, like, just, yeah. I just want to eat. Well, but but what I think it is a great time for is having conversations with farmers because it's, you could be low key and do that. Yeah, like you don't well, need, you yeah, don't need to carry a sign. Exactly. Well, and I am really low key about that. You know, I think, you know, unless you're going to folks farms, it's tough to to grab a farmer off the farm because they're on the farm working, you know, and so being able to connect with people and these are really strong leaders in the agricultural community. The fact that they're, you know, working with 4-H youth and younger folks, um, you know, and kind of keeping those farming traditions alive. These are people that are really strong leaders. So those are the types of folks you want to talk to when you're walking through the barns. And so, you know, I go in there and, and because I've shown cattle, it's kind of an easy opening. It's like, who's this political girl here? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hi, I grew up on a farm in Eau Claire and I used to show cattle in 4-H just like you. I'm Did actually- you just start naming the cows? Oh, like, like, oh, that's a, I couldn't even name a cow right now. Like Holsteins not, not and them jerseys. Name, like, although yeah. it would be cute if you started, oh, is this Bessie? You know, like, uh, um, sure. Because they all yeah. have names, I think. They right? all and do have them. names. Yeah. So, um, but when I'm talking with, when I'm talking with folks, you know, there was a young guy that I talked with and um, I handed him my flyer and then he said, well, what are you? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? What am I? He's like a Democrat or Republican. And I said, I'm a Democrat, but I'm a good one. And he handed my flyer back to me and I yeah. said, Hey, you haven't even had a chance to talk to me yet. Um, you don't know what I'm about. And I said, you know, I want to expand Medicare to cover vision, dental and hearing the very things that deteriorate when our parents get old, because my parents, they go to Mexico every year and they get their dental work done there because it's cheaper than in our own country. And he was like, well, yeah, I'm for that. And I was, you know, yeah. but as somebody that had told me, you know, he supported Donald Trump. And I, d- I just think for me, it's having those conversations for people to hear me talk about stories that they can resonate with and, re- and right. you know, and connect with. I think that's really important. But what I'm hearing back to issues and what you asked is healthcare being a top priority, like kitchen table issues. Um, you know, affordable housing is another thing, no matter if I'm in lacrosse or I'm in a smaller community. Yeah, we spent the whole day yesterday talking about housing with yeah. Habitat. Yeah, and so it's, I mean, those are the things people are really concerned about is how they're going to get by from month to month, right? The, you know, um, middle-class voters, are, our middle class is diminishing. And so those are the kinds of issues that get brought up to me. Um, a lot of folks are also concerned about environmental issues, um, you know, one thing I had, I've had a lot of conversations. I've been, like I said, to lacrosse a few times and met with a lot of labor leaders here. So I met with the laborers, uh, union president. I toured the transit center here, met with amalgamated transit union. Um, also met with machinists. This is all within the last week. Yeah. Right. Cause that's so important to me. And I think, um, having folks that are really able to represent, you know, working class people, um, like union support is something I had a lot of last cycle when I, when I ran. And I think it's so important to, you know, continue to push worker power in an economy like ours. All right. We're going to continue with Rebecca Cook, who's running for the U.S. House of Representatives in Wisconsin's third district. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast Around River City. 
I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. In the studio with me is Rebecca Cook. We've been talking about her run for U.S. House of Representatives in Wisconsin's 3rd Congressional District. And we will get to the U.S. House Speaker talk here in a minute. But I think it's more important to talk about, like, why you're running for Congress, what Mm. you can do in Congress, why it's important to flip the House at this point. Mm. Right. Like, we kind of need your seat. It's very important in in terms of when I say we like Democrats, in terms of like wanting that. What is it? Five seats? Five seats the Democrats need to flip the House. But the issues we were just talking about, like when you say kitchen table issues mm-hmm. and then you bring up all that stuff. But like, how do you s- resolve some of those issues when you're like I talk to union workers and machinists? Mm-hmm. Like, what are their issues? And then yeah. how do you resolve them? Like healthcare is an easy one. And we talked about that last yeah. time we were on. But pick a new one, you know, like. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, when I'm talking with those folks, getting the PRO Act passed is literally one of my top priorities. And it's something that I talk about in my stump speech all the time. It's not just something that I'm like, when I'm talking to unions, I'm telling them I'm going to get the PRO Act passed and maybe I'll do something about it when I okay. get to Congress. Basically, what the PRO Act would do is it would undo the work that like Scott Walker and his cronies did with Act 10. Yeah. And making Wisconsin a right to work state, which is, is so important to allow, you know, collective bargaining and well, they, um, they use the term right to work, right? As a, yeah. it, which is not the what it stands for at right. all. Yeah. And so when I'm talking to union folks, I mean, that's that's one of the things that is a top priority for pretty much all unions. What do they lose um, out on on Act 10? Like I, I will. I've talked about Act 10 a lot and I still don't know if I understand it. And then what what are unions trying to gain back from what what did Act 10 take from them? Yeah. <laughs> or what is the PRO Act? Like, a, yeah. Also a terrible name. Like you should bring, <laughs> if it's the right to work state, then you should have a, a different act that's mm-hmm. the opposite of that. That sounds better than quote unquote right to work. Yes. But that's not your fault. You're not naming things. <laughs> well, the PRO Act would allow unions to be able to do collective bargaining. So that's that's one of the reasons why I support it. You know, and that's one of the things that, that Scott Walker took away, you know, and, and eliminated yeah, I mean, I, I just think really decimated worker power here in the Pretty state of Wisconsin. Pretty easy. So, bargaining. Took that, yeah. That, took that right away. Okay. And then there's one of the things that Trump included when he was in office was these apprenticeship programs that are not registered apprenticeship programs. So that's something that's also important in, for a lot of trades folks, um, that registered apprenticeship programs are through their unions themselves. Um, and eliminating IRAPs, um, which undermine registered apprenticeship programs that unions build out. Okay. So is another really important component. Apprenticeships pay, right? Is that an issue? Because sometimes it's like you you get these apprentice and they're well internships. You're thinking, you know, thinking internships. internships, but apprenticeships yeah. pay because my nephew's an apprentice. He's mm-hmm. an electrician apprentice right now. Yeah, so I think he's making more money than me as an apprentice. Well, so. and that's one thing too. You know, I've had well when I've been running too, I've done a lot of different. Tours. So I've been through Western Tech campuses in Black River Falls here in La Crosse, and then have been with on Southwest Tech's campus. And I think that there's so much dignity in, in trades work and, and encouraging, you know, that not everyone's going to go on to get four year degrees. And in fact, that's that's not for everyone. And you can make really great money in working in the trades and encouraging, you know, folks as they're starting to look at college options that. You know, this is a really great option and because, like you said, there's right. really great paying jobs. And that's because of you the can work go to college. that unions do to negotiate, um, you know, with bosses for 
Yeah. You can go to college and end up as a radio talk show host (laughs) and not make any money. Or you can go to a trade school and become a plumber or an electrician. And the job is probably harder, but you're going to make like three times as much money. And you're going to know some things so that when you buy a house and something fails, now I've like, I got to call my, my dad or my brother who are all like tradesmen in their own right and be like, well, and I think that's like, you know, one of the things, you know, I grew up in a working class family. Um, and I think that your family always wants you to do better or more. And that there's a lot of people that push people for more like white collar jobs because there's an idea that that's better somehow. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, not true, you right. know, but I think there's just this generational thing because, you know, attaining a four-year degree for a long time was something that a lot of just working class people couldn't afford to do, right? Right. And well, so, that was, I, yeah. I was getting at that. Minnesota, yeah. my state, free college for anyone making under, I think it's $80,000. You get free four-year college. I'm not eligible for that because I already went to college and I was like, can I get my master's degree <laughs> with this or something? No, no, you can't do that. But like, yeah. I don't know. And federally, that seems like I mean, other states have this, but like federally, that seems like a probably a pretty good thing. I don't know if you support something like that. And it wouldn't have to be college, but it could be like two year, you know, anything like tech school or anything that kids out of high school want to go and do. One of the things that I support is, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with uh, rural health care providers and just the shortage in that pipeline. Um, I think it's difficult to get folks sometimes to return back home to like a rural community to practice. And so you see a really huge decline in, you know, just acts and access to healthcare. Yeah. Um, and so I, one of the things that I am a proponent of is incentivizing, you know, like say you're from, Oh, let's pick a small town that's right around here. Um, Galesville. Say you're from Galesville. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. There you go. Or say you're from Arcadia and you want to go to college and you're thinking about being a nurse or you're thinking about being a doctor, incentivizing those students that part of their college is paid for um, if they come back and practice in those communities. Oh, sure. Is I think one way that we kind of solve that pipeline challenge and really incentivize folks to come back home to serve their communities, um, especially in just some of these areas that there's gaps within, you know, our workforce, um, as something that I think would be. We really see beneficial. that a little bit with some of the hospitals. I think Gunderson does that with certain nurses. There's different levels of nursing, so I don't, yeah. but they will, they will pay for their education as long as they, and then you, you know, yeah. you, you got to work there for a couple yeah. of years or I don't know how long it is. Yeah. But. Well, and I think in particular in like a lot of our rural, just like our rural health systems and with our rural clinics, to me, I feel like that's a real solution to filling some of those gaps that are so critical for people to get access. To but what if I'm from Galesville, but I want to work in a different tiny town? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, something like that. You know what I mean? Some kind of small town incentive to to go work at a, I mean, we see that there's the healthcare deserts. We see that. Absolutely. Uh, Childcare deserts. We Mm -hmm. see that a lot. Um, All right. Before, before I forget, I don't know if I'm going to forget, but like we have a new house speaker. (laughs) Is it Mike Johnson? Yes. And I don't know. You probably haven't deep dived into it. Well, does, does your handler over here, is it Mariah? Does she drive you around? Therefore, you're on your phone reading all the time. Like, um, oh, I have to read up a Mike Johnson I'm, now. I'm not on my phone reading all the time. I'm no. talking to a lot of different folks. Um, but yeah, we have a new House Speaker. I'm glad that Congress came together to get that figured out um, because, well, in this chaos, things aren't getting passed through Congress. Well, there's all of these issues. Um, you know, I would have loved to see a kind of more of a bipartisan effort, maybe, to come together to get a House that Speaker hasn't elected. Happened since like Nixon, apparently. I've talked yeah. about this i like 
if this keeps going, will Democrats have to cross the aisle? And I even asked somebody this, a political scientist, this the other day. I'm like, would it be beneficial for like, let's just say you're in the House and this is going on. This is at 22 days before we hadn't had a speaker. But at 45 days, that's when the government shuts down because they only Mm -hmm. open this window for 45 days to keep the government. And we haven't had a resolution there yet. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, um, I mean, there's really critical work to do, and we elect people right. in would, Congress to show up and do their job. Would you ever consider, like, okay, well, we need, and then the Republicans nominate somebody who you you don't ultimately hate every mm-hmm. stance? I mean, I would say yeah. Mike Johnson's got some pretty bad, you probably wouldn't vote for Mike Johnson. Mm-hmm. But as a Democrat, would you go, okay, well, we're at desperate times here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cross the line and vote for this person because we need four votes because Republicans can't come together. I don't know. Would you do that? I think if there was a moderate option, a pragmatic Republican um, whose views I mostly aligned with, yeah. Because you would have to make some sacrifices there because there's no way. I would have to make You know some, what I yeah. mean? Like, but I think it's important. Like We elect people. Like You can't say that you're for bipartisanship and that you're for finding gr- common ground if you can't say that Like if there was someone that was brought forth that you were like, okay, you know, this isn't the worst you know, there's a lot of other people that have been running for Speaker of the right. House. You yeah, know? I don't know if any of the people that like you're not you're not voting for Jim most Jordan. of those folks. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, uh, I believe that the new Speaker was the Freedom Caucus's choice. You know, yeah. so that's not somebody I would absolutely right. Have voted I'm not for. saying any yeah. of the people that yeah. were. And what what's funny is because some people have talked about well, what if a couple of Republicans are missing and the Democrats win because it's only a five seat flip. The Democrats have more votes than Republicans mm-hmm. and therefore um, Hakeem Jeffries ends up mm-hmm. being the speaker. Yeah. And I was like, A, it doesn't matter because it only takes one Republican to say to oust Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. It only takes one Matt Gates to do that again. So that would never happen. So you have to throw that out the window. I just wonder if like it would be suicide politically mm-hmm. for a Democrat if you were in the House to vote for a Republican for House speaker mm-hmm. and then a day later Another Matt Gates says, oh, Democrats voted for this person. We're ousting him. We're going to start this process all yeah. over again. Because I would see yeah. that happening, too. There are some folks. There are some Democrats that are more pragmatic Democrats. They're part of, like, the Blue Dog Coalition in Congress that, you know, issued some releases. Like, we would support a bipartisan. if, But it's like they've got to talk together in order yeah. for a bipartisan solution to even come forth. And there's just so much chaos in the Republican Party and so many different fractions fighting one another that there's like no unity in that party for there even to be work to be done well, in a bipartisan manner. You call it chaos. Republicans call it individual thought. Like sure. I have my views. It's always funny how we, we differentiate yeah. there. But uh, speaking of not voting for House Speaker, there was only one Republican that didn't vote for the House Speaker and that's this Republican in Wisconsin's 3rd Congressional District. Uh, Derek Van Orden is not. What do you think of this? Like he he wasn't there for the Jim Jordan vote. Um, he even said, I, he even had like a statement. Um, he said something, I will be, uh, what, what was his statement? Something about, um, currently as I write this piece, so he wrote, put out a statement last Friday when he headed to Israel to do a fact-finding mission because he doesn't trust the Biden administration and whatever's going on in Israel. He said, currently as I write this piece, there is no path for a new speaker and Congress remains rudderless and in disarray. Mm-hmm. And, but, but there's no path. Well, four days later, there is a path. They voted for a speaker, but he's not there to vote on it. I don't know if you do you agree with 
Uh, I don't know. Yeah, like what's, um, your, what's your take on what his what he's doing in Israel instead of being in the House trying to you yeah. know resolve this? When Congress is rudderless as a leader, that's when you step up to lead. And he left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's the exact opposite of what we elect people to do to represent us. Um, you have to show up for your job. If you didn't show up, you know, for your job, what would your boss do? Well, it'd be weird because it'd be dead air for an hour. So, um, <laughs> but you probably get fired, yeah. right? I mean, you can't just not show up because you deem something else more important. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, and so for him to leave when there's so many important things that are at stake, um, without having a speaker, like having the government shut down again, not getting a farm bill passed, I think is really careless. Um, and so, you know, I think. Um, It's been just like, I think, frustrating. And it's not like he went along with a congressional cohort. That's very common. Um, The Senate did that. It was a bipartisan uh, cohort of folks that went over to Israel and had conversations with um, with folks there. He just went by himself. Yeah, I did read that he paid for the trip. So the other day I said this is on the taxpayer. I, I, I did read he's paying for this out of his own pocket. So I don't know how that works, but. I don't know. Sure. Show the rec- I, whatever. It yeah. just seemed weird that you go rogue and go to Israel. And I, I guess he has some experience being in the military for a very long time. And this being yeah. uh, a, something of a. I think know, there's top war. military leaders in our country. Yeah. That probably outrank him that are very focused on this. Yeah. It's just yeah. It, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. It seems like you probably need to vet the speaker and like what's your take he did tweet today that he supports mike johnson so there's yeah. that he tweeted i don't think that counts as a vote no though. that's not a vote you can't um you can't lead in congress on twitter so um do you plan on if you were in the house going would you go to israel <laughs> like, you know like what's your take on on that um, that's very not i i don't yeah. need to spend a ton of time on this uh, but not right now right now what i would be focused on if i was in the house today was showing up to vote for my district yeah. um there's going they're doing some having some deliberations and conversations in congress as a whole today about the conflict um in in the middle east and so that's where i would want to be working with the body i was elected to be a part of and making those decisions so. so you mentioned farm bill, but that's another thing is too. like, I, I always kind of rip on this stuff because I don't quite understand maybe just the, the, the universal politics of it, but just like how many billions of dollars we're going to send to Israel, we're going to send to Ukraine. And I don't know what, what's your take on, on, you know, the, that kind of support. Um, I think it's important to get, you know, the farm bill passed. It's something that a lot of different folks I've met with a few different stakeholders and had conversations with like Dairy Farmers for America, Organic Valley. I've met um, Darren, who I know you've chatted with from Wisconsin Farmers Union, have talked with folks from Farm Bureau. There's so many people that have been, you know, working on this, advocating for it. And then it's just been left kind of dead the in the water. The farm bill that exists now, that the Senate passed it, do you know? Did the Senate pass it? Yeah. This is, I just, I wonder if what the farm bill is right now is something that farmers appreciate, you know? Um, I think that it, I mean, I think that it is. I think that there's always a lot more in it for bigger corporations and, you know, really supporting small, small local farmers. And so I think there's always more to be desired in that way. Um, When you look at a district like ours and you look at a state like ours where small family farms are going under, you know, at record rates every day. 
my, you know, my farm was one of those farms that didn't, you know, it was hard to make ends meet. What's and the biggest so, reason why we need to save those kind of farms versus just having, because the bigger farms seem more efficient. Sure. When the bigger farms you see now dwarf the farms that like could are to come that like kind of foreign nationals have been, have bought into where you have hundreds of thousands of cows. Right. And that's, that's one of the real issues and one of the real concerns that a lot of small farmers, a healthy ecosystem is one that has players at all levels, small farms, mid-sized farms. Um, and right now we're, you know, have a threat of just all of those kind of being gone. Right. Yeah. Um, and you look at that with like all industries, you even think of, you know, like the, the beer industry, for example, like it's a lot of big conglomerates, but you see like smaller breweries coming back and supporting local economies and creating local jobs. Like there's so much value in having like a robust ecosystem and not just a reliance on just big egg. Yeah. Big um, egg, the, the, those bigger farms to me seem more of a detriment to the environment too. You talk absolutely. about ecosystems, but environmentally. Yeah. Well, and so I just think it's important to really, um, enforce antitrust laws, um, you know, that, that yeah, we don't do that at all. Yeah. Right like we've, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, and that's that's something that's next really, time you come on, yeah. maybe we'll we'll dive into that. Yeah, because I think that's that's like a deep. Dive well, you're deep. seeing so much consolidation in so many industries. You're seeing, um, you know, even with like retail, and like you look at how big Amazon's gotten. You look also in the beef industry, um, where you have four main processors. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, like 90, you know, 85, 90% of the meat industry is four companies. Yeah, and so I think what's tough is then you know like when pandemic was happening and somebody gets sick at a big processing, you know, and like you sh that shuts down, that shuts down like food supply. My, my theory know? in all this is that we have an, so many people in government that don't understand monopolies and antitrust mm -hmm. and don't understand that stuff. Therefore, it just get, it gets it gets through. These companies get to take advantage of that because so there there is a there is a world here where we need those experts in, in Congress to yeah. to fight that. Absolutely. That's Rebecca Cook. She's running for the U.S. House of Representatives here in Wisconsin's 3rd Congressional District. Thanks, Rebecca, for hanging out. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, where, where are you going to next? You're going to be in La Crosse tonight and then... And then we're going to be in Eau Claire for a little bit because we've been on the road for like seven days straight. Oh, okay, yeah. So, and and for anyone that wonders, oh, okay. <laughs> she's from Eau Claire. So, um, okay. all right. Thanks, Rebecca. Yeah, thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll wrap up when we come back. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at aroundrivercity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, that's going to wrap it up for a Wednesday of the Crosstalk PM. Thanks again to Rebecca Cook for stopping in and talking about her run. It's like, like what a two two three year run now uh, for Congress in the third congressional district district here. One of five Democrats running to try to unseat Derek Van Orden, who didn't vote today in the U.S. House Speaker race. He was the only Republican not to vote because he's in Israel. If you follow his Twitter account, he's been tweeting from Israel. At one point, he said he went to Israel. I think last Friday, he put out a statement and he said he's going to Israel to go on a fact finding mission. Uh, because he doesn't trust the Biden administration. Uh, seems a little bit political to me. <laughs> but I did read that, because I brought this up the other day, that it is going there on the taxpayer's dime. It, it, apparently, I read, I can't remember what story it was, but he, but he said to, in that story that he is paying for the trip out of his own personal fund. So it's not a taxpayer 
paid trip anymore to Israel for a fact-finding mission. But if you go to Derek Van Orn's Twitter account, you could see what he's doing over there instead of uh, voting for Mike Johnson as House Speaker. So that's going to wrap it up. Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel tomorrow. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at aroundrivercity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.